The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Hey, good morning to you. Beautiful day out today. It's, it's spring. Feels like spring, not officially but uh, it does feel like it, and that is phenomenal. Mark Folks is with us, the chief of the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? Doing fine. It's good to have springtime here. It sure is. It's good to <laughs> it's good to get the rivers and the creeks back down into their banks and uh, and see them start to recede a little bit and lessen the worry of uh, some of the flooding. And I think we we got by very well during all the flooding. Uh, during all the rains that we had as far as flooding goes and uh, i think that uh that, that's a lot goes to uh to our engineering and street department and uh public works department and the work that they do year-round to make sure that 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 happens and uh and to our and to our neighbors out there i mean keeping keeping their storm drains clear and keeping the things off the street that are going to clog those storm drains go a long way toward making the making those roads not flood and, and things like that happening. Everybody working together as a family. Yeah, that's exactly right. You brought part of your family with you today. I sure did. Um, as you know, and I think uh, WGNS ran a story on it, but Assistant Chief Jernigan retired from us after with many years, Kay, and um, she actually took a job with Middle Tennessee State University in, in emergency operations there. And um, we're, we're very happy for her and happy for her retirement, but we now have uh, our new Assistant Chief of Operations is Assistant Chief Mark McCluskey. Uh, Mark grew up here in Murfreesboro, has been with the fire department here for 37 years. Um, so he comes with a, a great amount of experience and education that uh, lends him very well into, into that role as Assistant Chief over operations. And, and we're very, very excited to have him in that position. Mark, congratulations to you. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be in this position. Look forward to working with everyone. Now, you were previously in charge of special operations and things of that sort, uh, a lot of special operations works. That's that's correct. Now, I used to be a battalion chief, um, and one of my roles in that uh, position was over special operations. And that would have been one of the groups that was probably busy uh, on high waters and stuff like that. Uh, yes, sir. And uh, I, as a matter of fact, this morning I saw the news. It's two-year anniversary of the tornadoes over in Mount Juliet. Those special op teams went over there and assisted uh, with that two years ago today. Yeah, we don't stop and think uh, that when you have problems in nearby communities or even distant places, is uh, we go out and help those people. That that is true. Um, we've been to uh, Mount Juliet, Lebanon, Waverly, uh, Nashville, uh, just all the communities around us to assist in uh, when they have. Uh, situations that deem and then when we have our problems here they come and help us yes sir that's the way it works good op- good way to do it there uh, what do you see in store for you in your new role with Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue well I'm just now getting into it and it's a whole different position for me um, everything is changing so quick and it's it's really hard to predict the future where, where it's going to be but um, I look forward to working with it and with the people to um, carry the city to the next step and what our fire uh, department is going to be. Well, best of luck to you and uh, exciting things ahead for yes. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Yes, sir. Uh, speaking of exciting things ahead, uh, one of the things that's on your uh, wish list, which is coming closer to be, uh, being a reality, I guess, is having a, a new 
administrative building, uh, which will enable you to, to do even more for the community. Yeah, we're, we're moving forward with that process. Um, City Council a few weeks ago approved the funding uh, for a new administrative building for us, and so we're very excited about that and very excited to, to get moving forward with that entire process. And that'll be over at the Doug Young facility? Yeah, we think, and, and if it changes, you know, we'll, we'll still have a presence over there with classroom space, but, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at options right now. And, Unfortunately, like everything else, building costs have gone up, so we've got to look at the, all the options there to make the most sense for our citizens and, and see where we're at and see the things that we need to, uh, to do to make it most viable for us, but at the best economy, uh, scale of economy for our citizens and do what's right uh, there as well. Well, now, is there enough room there for what you need? I mean, there's already a training facility there. Yeah, we've, we've designed the facility with three additional pad spaces for buildings, future buildings. Uh, one of those would be a kind of a warehouse or a storage area for the things both at the training facility as well as a storage area for our reserve apparatus that we have to have uh, to go into place when one of our apparatus breaks down or has to go in for maintenance. Uh, and then there's a, a, a pad for the training classrooms or administrative building or both. And then there's a pad for um, kind of some practical exercise with the police department um, that they can utilize um, that will kind of tie into the drill tower that's already there. So that pad is directly next door to it. Now, if for your training classroom space right now, are you at the old uh, city hall? Yeah, we've we've got a classroom in there, um, but we're we're very tight in there on offices and classrooms, and so um, we just we are blessed, and and it it creates some logistics issues, but we are blessed to have great partners with our other departments within the city. And the city has a little a training classroom space over on Main Street next to the Public Works or in the Public Works building there. Um, we utilize the airport a lot. We use the old Bradley School. Uh, we use um, Patterson Park quite a bit. We use, I mean, there's all kinds of facilities, the police department, all of, all of our other departments in the city really help us by providing space to us right now until we have, you know, dedicated classroom space that we can utilize to do that training. And so it just, it presents a lot of logistical challenges for us because different classes that we host and we do a lot of training um, means trying to find classroom space for all those happenings. And we have a, we have a recruit class going on right now. And so finding classroom space for them or knowing when they're going to be in class versus when they're going to be at the training center doing practical evolutions or you know they're going to be other places doing um, various things from hazardous materials to the firefighting to everything else that they're learning to be able to do their job now i've noticed fire trucks parked at different fire stations outside things of that sort sometimes over here at your administration building uh, are those just place to give them uh, presence to get to other parts of town quickly? Or? Well, most of the time when they come to our administrative offices, they're just coming by to to um, to administer to something, whether it's, you know, um, obtaining books for a class that someone's maybe scheduled to, uh, coming down for a meeting that may be happening or other things like that. And and the neat thing about our uh, trucks is we, we really try to maintain the integrity of our territories. And so when we pull a truck from a particular neighborhood per se or, or a territory that they are operating in for that station we backfill that with another truck so we place another truck in that in that station if we pull them to the training center for training we will always kind of move trucks to make sure that areas are always covered uh, and we now use what's called automatic automated vehicle location on our trucks. so 
every truck basically has a gps antenna on it and and our mobile data terminals that go in with a computer-aided dispatch system you know it's it's the closest unit that responds to every single call so if we have a truck here at administrative offices and you know we've got our downtown station that's you know literally two blocks from us um, but if there's a truck sitting in our administrative offices and that truck is closer than than the vine street station then they're going to get sent on that call and so it's a wherever you're the closest location to if you're if you you know are coming in from say station 10 on veterans or station 5 on florence and you come to the training center uh, and you, when you as soon as you leave that training center and go back into service and you're not you know out of service being there at training as soon as you're back in service you're subject to get a call anywhere in route back to your station that may not be what is normally your territory because it's normally not in your station but uh, it's sending the closest unit and getting the resources there the fastest that we can possibly get them there that has to be a long way toward getting uh, that ISO rating, which we proudly have now. Yes, it is. And ISO really stringently looks at your response times and how we meet those response time requirements uh, for both NFPA and ISO. And then our accreditation standards are there as well. And so, you know, we really, really strive to meet those. And But the biggest reason that we strive to meet them is because uh, the speed at which we get to someone means that we have a whole lot better chance of saving their life or saving their property or doing those things because it's a we are truly in one of those professions where speed does matter when it comes to a medical response a fire response or otherwise uh, to try to mitigate what is going on there and we want to make sure that we're best equipped to do that um, through every avenue making sure that we're getting out of the stations fast uh, making sure that we're getting the calls dispatched quickly making sure that we are traveling to the calls as effectively as we can uh, quickly but making sure that we're safe in doing so as well uh, and so and, and we try to do all of those things to make sure that we're just we're getting to someone's house as fast as we can possibly get there uh, from the time frame that they call 911. And one thing that we seem to talk on every time that you're on, but I think you can't ever say it too much, and that is uh, the time that it takes to get to a location uh, is so crucial these days because fires burn more quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what we have seen, and, and for someone that may not have heard us say it before, is when Mark and I were early on in our career 30-some-odd years ago, um, you know, our, you were just starting to see a lot of the materials that we see in furnitures and, and other things like that now, the synthetic materials, the things that are plastics and polymers and everything else that, that things are made out of. But literally now, about everything in your house is made out of that stuff. I mean, there's just not a lot that you have in your home that's not either that has glues or resins or, you know, some kind of plastics or and a lot of those things and people just don't realize it but plastics and and the synthetic materials are all made from hydrocarbons so they're all made from the same things that fuel is made uh, that fuel your car uh, if you got a gas car uh, those things are the same thing that fuel that's they're made from the same substrates or products and so when those materials heat up and and become and start um, off gassing per se they give off the same type of off-gassing that fuel would when it starts to liquefy. And so it's, um, I had someone tell me one time that, you know, basically a living room with a normal setup, a couch, a love seat, end tables, coffee table, you know, the, the normal setup within a home because of the foam rubber and everything else that's in those products, it, it's like having a 55-gallon drum sitting in your living room. And when it catches on fire, it's like turning that drum over and the, and the fuel spilling out the gasoline just spilling out in your living room and that's how much um, literally uh, how much flammable material is in your living room in a normal living room in today's environment but uh, the big concern for us is making sure that people have early detection because 
as, as great as we are, and I think we have one of the greatest fire departments probably in the United States, and to be honest with you, we've got some fantastic people, and we really, really try to do a good job for our citizens. But as great as we are, without early detection, smoke alarms, and having an escape plan and doing all those things, it, we are not fast enough to save you uh, in a house fire. And that's why we really strive to make sure that everyone is closing the doors, you know, when they're going to sleep at night, closing your bedroom door, making sure that you're putting space between you and and the fire making sure that we have smoke alarms that are working and active uh, and that are not older than 10 years old and all of those things go in a long way toward making sure that we're fire safe uh, because it's it's very rare that we are able to get to a house fire unless someone has done all the things necessary close themselves off in an environment and they just can't get out and we can go in and rescue them because they've closed themselves off and done all the things they need to but if you're if you're in a structure fire at the time that it starts and especially if you're near the room of origin or you don't have you know, a, a divider or a, a door between you and that, that fire that's happening, your chances of surviving are very little um, by the time that we would arrive on the scene. And, and that's a very short amount of time uh, that it takes us to get there. So even within the first four to six minutes, you're looking at flashover and things like that potentially occurring that are just not survivable in a fire. And that's why we really want to take have everybody take precautions. If we compared today to say 30, 40, 50 years ago, what is the response time needed to get there before you're in real danger? Uh, realistically, before you could call 911 and hang up the phone. I mean, that soon. That wow. soon. And there is a, like I said, when back in the the old days, what we call legacy furniture, the the furniture that was all made out of cotton batting and you know feathers and stuff like that for the fluff and the in the in the pillows and all those kind of things. You know, all of those things went into play. Those were all natural products and natural materials. And natural materials have a much slower burn rate. Um, they give off off gas much slower and all those kind of things. So um, back when we first started on the fire department, or back when my dad used to fight fire and had all natural materials basically in a home, you didn't have to worry that much about flashover because flashover would occur wherever. But what is flashover? I've heard that word, but yeah. what is it? Flashover is basically when the temperature of a room meets, uh, exceeds the point to where everything basically uh, ignites within that room at the same time. So every everything that we have, you know, this this desk here or our shirts or anything else has an ignition temperature, a, a temperature that it's going to start to um, basically burn uh, when it's got enough heat source around it. And so flashover is when everything in a room, the temperature is reaching anywhere from 11 to 1400, 1500 degrees is when flashover occurs. And so that that temperature, when it reaches that temperature, which is very, very hot. I mean, if you think about when you cook in your oven, the maximum temperature that your oven goes to is probably around 500 degrees uh, on brawl. And so, I mean, you're talking about more than double and sometimes even triple those temperatures happening within a room. And so, and basically when flashover happens, everything in that room and it combusts at the same time. So it's, it's a huge ball of fire coming in from that room that everything in the room is on fire at the same time. And, and that, that length of time again to get to that point now? Yeah. In the, in the past, it was, you know, in, in probably the upper 20 minutes to low 30 minute range, 27 minutes to 34 minutes is what we would see with legacy furniture. Now that time frame is about four to eight minutes. And wow. so it, it, you got about four to eight minutes from the time a fire starts. Uh, in a room uh, with proper oxygen, you know, if it's got enough oxygen to burn, 
it, it's going to be flashing over within four to eight minutes, which is going to be at, at around the time that we're getting there or slightly before we're getting there that you have a chance of that flashover occurring. And, and you, you can't survive that. You cannot. And, and, it's, and it's to the point, even with the, the gear that we have, and we, we have some unbelievable protective gear, our personal protective equipment. We call it turnout gear that our firefighters wear, their, their helmets, their coats, their pants, their boots, and all that stuff. A flashover is not survivable by a firefighter in, in turnout gear. They will be burned significantly and uh, potentially even lose their life. Even our, even our masks are not capable of withstanding those 1,400-degree temperatures that we see in there. And that's why we um, really try to make sure that our firefighters are safe by utilizing uh, new firefighting tactics that kind of eliminate that heat early on by using water much more early than what we used to in the past and so we are doing those things that um, to protect our firefighters and it protects the property as well and reduces that temperature um, but that's why we say all the time you, if you're if really truthfully early detection of a fire is the way to go when having that protection because uh, you know we are we are we're the first accredited class one fire department in the state of tennessee and i would put our fire department up against any department in the united states when it comes to our ability to protect our citizens um but we cannot we just can't we're not that fast i mean literally most of the time before you can call 911 and get off the phone with 911 or they can get us dispatched you're you're getting to those time frames of where it's too dangerous to survive because you, know? you don't know instantly to wake up and call 911 yeah exactly so little time passes already and then everything that's off gassing in those time frames even before flashovers occurring the smoke is toxic you know whereas in the past cotton and some of those wood fibers and stuff like that yeah they're gonna they're gonna make your nose run and they're gonna make your eyes water and they're gonna make you cough up you know stuff but it's not going to be toxic like the smoke is now of what we're seeing in structure fires um and, and those means and the, and the gases that it gives off and the chemicals it gives off are just way, way too toxic to be able to survive it. And, you know, I, I can say, you know, we've had people that have passed away from smoke inhalation that were not even in near or the burn room um, in the past few years that years ago would have survived. I mean, you know, in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, likely would have survived the fire just because of the toxins in the smoke because of what our materials, all the materials are made out of with furniture and those kind of things. A listener has just sent us a question saying, are these facts not discussed with manufacturers like furniture, building materials, things like that? Yeah, we, we, we do that. And there's some fire retardant materials like on baby's clothing and, and some of those things, but, but it just comes back to, it's, it's just like modern building construction. It's, it's what is less expensive to to buy and purchase and to you know to get your hands on those materials and it's a lot easier to produce those synthetics in mass quantities and produce materials and and stuff like that in a much cheaper environment because i mean if you if you went back now and tried to buy furniture that is legacy made where it has no synthetics in it whatsoever it would probably cost four times what a couch would cost um, that is that is made and manufactured now out of mostly synthetic materials so you know even a even a uh, even a top grain leather couch yeah that's that's cowhide and it's made out of leather but if most of those couches all the insides of it are foam rubber uh, you've got some plastic materials but you've got glued together uh, wood that's making up the frame within that laminated wood that's making up the frame within that and all those kind of things that have got those materials in it that are tend to burn um, but it's 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 about the the cost of materials and the cost of production and 
you know and in a normal environment that doesn't present the problems you know and, and you know there's no problem with sitting on your couch and and nothing going on within your home until it catches on fire and it's the same way with what homes are made out of now you know and back in the 70s and 80s you didn't have trusses uh, that had the little gusset plates on them and you didn't have wood eye beams that were made out of glued together particle board that were that are used for floors now and you know for your floor beams and stuff like that you had solid two by eight or two by ten lumber that made up your floor beams you had two by sixes or better that were made up your roof trusses or that made up your roof members that were stick built what we call stick built now everything's made with trusses which is lightweight construction and it performs great i mean it does absolutely great until you have a fire um, when you have a fire those those systems fail a lot quicker but it's you know we have talked to the manufacturers we have talked to uh, we do talk to them a lot about ways to make it safer and ways to do those things and and it really just comes down to economy and the cost of those materials versus materials that are would make a home a different way let's take a phone call good morning you're on wgns how are you today well, I'm doing great. How about you? Doing fine. Thank you. Hey, man, I, before I ask my question, you have a great show, and it's it's great to listen to it, and the guests you get are very informative. I just want to give you an attaboy. For Thank that. you. Thank you so much. I was reading in the Daily News Journal this morning, and it may have been yesterday's paper, whatever. I get it electronically. Uh, and there's somebody complaining about, you know, expanding the... Uh, waste facility that we have and 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 their biggest complaint is you know odor and and toxic gases getting into the water and and stuff like that and i know that uh, uh one of the commissioners i think went to california and looked at at a facility that <clears throat> excuse me that burned all of the garbage and everything like that and i know it's super expensive but would that and with your guest today talking, does that hurt the environment when they burn it like that in a facility like that? And does toxic waste get out into the groundwater and stuff like that? Or is, is that kind of a facility built in such a way that it prevents all of that uh, ancillary damage? Good question. Very good. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to hang up and listen, but I, I really love your show. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Have a great day. What about that? Yeah, most of the most of the waste facilities that like that are designed like that are designed to minimize the environmental impact and damage. And the big thing about the big thing, just like we were talking about, the toxic amount of smoke coming from materials that are made in that, all of your garbage is going to produce toxic smoke because you've got plastic wrappers and and all kinds of things that are in garbage. You know, cans, uh, aerosol cans, everything else that would be in garbage that you're going to be incinerating. The difference in those incinerators that they have designed for those are that they basically have reburning phases within them, and so they'll they'll burn off. But when you when the smoke that has a lot of that carbon, and you'll see black smoke coming from things that are like tires and anything made out of hydrocarbons is going to produce a lot of black smoke. And, and so if you if you see really heavy black smoke, that means someone's not burning just wood products; they're burning materials that have rubber in them or plastics in them or those kind of materials. But the difference in those incinerator facilities is when they get that, when you get that smoke that's got all that heavy soot and carbon in it, they will reburn that smoke. And so, you know, they're basically reburning it and reburning it to, to the point of where it gets rid of all the carbon and a lot of the contaminants that are in that smoke. And then the end product that you have comes out with, you know, much less uh, environmental impact than you would have if you just 
you know lit a pile of trash on fire in an open environment and and the smoke rose into the into the air it's it's much like the new steam plants that they have you know you've seen the the new uh towers at a lot of the steam plants the kingston steam plant is very easy to see as you drive down i-40 headed toward knoxville they've got new towers there that are designed to reburn uh, as they burn the coal to produce the the energy uh, to produce electricity they those new uh, steam plants are designed to reburn that continuously until the smoke is almost completely clean and we have the same thing now in diesel engines uh, there's we capture the exhaust in the diesel engines and then we we've we've got a material uh, that we put into that into those diesel engines that has to death fluid is what it's called um, and when that death fluid goes in it reburns that carbon that's made up of that that, that soot so you know as, as in the past where you would see trucks driving down the road and as they take off you'd see a big black plume come through them you just don't see that anymore because of the environmental controls and reburning that smoke and, and that's what they will do is it'll capture a lot of that carbon content and a lot of the, that smoke that comes from the diesel and it'll reburn it that's a very similar concept to what they do with the incinerators that they use for uh, those um, landfill type facilities that that do the burning so that would have a positive impact on our environment yes it, it would uh, and it, it very much so eliminates a lot of the leaching of materials into the soils and all those kind of things because you know one of the one of the things that they have to do at, at any landfill is they have to have pumps down in the ground that actually kind of exhaust a lot of that methane gas that's produced from materials breaking down over time and uh, and what the incineration does is it just causes those materials to break down a lot faster because you're you're introducing a heat into that environment and it's just breaking that material down much much faster and all those things and uh, the big the big deal about it is it's it's a very expensive endeavor uh, to do those type of incinerators and do that kind of kind of thing but i would say the environmental impact is is tremendously less than what it is for just you know placing it in a landfill and, and dealing with all those things we're going to pause for just a moment check on the traffic and weather and when we return we'll continue the conversation mark folks is with us this morning the chief of the murfreesboro fire and rescue department and the operations chief just appointed mark mccloskey is with us here he took uh, Kay jernigan's position and as you recall she recently retired when we come back you had mentioned about looking at smoke and seeing the colors of it. We're going to talk a little about when the firefighters get near the scene, they can see the smoke and perhaps they can get an idea of what is burning. If you have something to buy, sell, or trade, call me. Weekday mornings at 7.50 for Swap and Shop. WGNS, AM, FM, and online. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come in and do business with my family. As the weather gets worse and we spend more time indoors, give your pets additional enrichment. Here at Animal City, we carry a variety of toys and entertainment for pets of most kinds. When you stop in to see us at Animal City, make sure to explore all two stories of our wonderful pets and pet supplies. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who has moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com 
and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to DemasFamilyKitchen.com. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a World War II veteran. 452nd Palm Group, right before Thanksgiving. I flew my first mission. Well, it was noisy and bumpy, and uh, I was scared to death. Everybody's scared. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, a World War II veteran. When we got back, the ground crew, which looked after just our B-17 plane, one of the maintenance men came in. The radio man sits in a little space with a desk and all the radio equipment in the middle of the plane. And you have a window on your left. And he came in and looked around. He said, well, that hole wasn't there when you took off. We would have fixed that. I didn't remember it, but we had been hit by a fighter. But I didn't know it. There's so much noise and so much activity, you know, that didn't hear it. From that time on, I was a little wiser. Dr. Charles Edwin Howard, a World War II veteran. The name of the plane was Lamb's Wolves. Our pilot, until our last mission, our pilot was a fellow named Lamb, and so we named the plane Lamb's Wolves. If you know a veteran you'd like to highlight, let WGNS know, and we'll honor them in our daily salute to veterans. Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Yeah, 615-893-1450. You can talk on that number. You can text on it, whichever you are most comfortable with. We're talking about your safety this morning. Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Chief Mark Folks is with us, along with the new Operations Chief Mark McCluskey. Mark is really not new. He's in that position <laughs> new, but you've been here 37 years. You were born here. <laughs> yes, born and raised here. Been on with the department 37 years now, but one month in this position is the reason I'm new. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations. Well, thank you. One of the things we mentioned as we went on to the break was uh, the fact that you could probably look at the smoke as you arrived toward the fire uh, and, and have an idea of what you were going to be fighting. Uh, is, is that more true today than it was years back? Yeah, to, to an extent. We, you know, we, we kind of do, we look at the smoke and kind of, we call it reading the smoke to kind of see where the fire may be located if it's in a structure fire, you know, but you know, if we, if we have people that are doing open burning, you know, which is illegal to do inside the city unless you have a permit, and that's typically uh, limited to site clearance, and, and we're permitting those, and those have fans and blowers to eliminate that smoke that's aggravating to neighbors and all the soot coming from that. Um, but we can tell if someone's burning products or materials um, that are not supposed to be burned because wood smoke puts off a totally different color of smoke than 
burning tires or burning any kind of plastic materials or just you know boxes that have got a lot of paint on them or glue in them and all those kind of things and we kind of utilize the same thing when we have a structure fire we'll, we'll look at the smoke and and look at some of the colors of that smoke and how much of the colors we're seeing of that and kind of what the smoke is doing if it's you know aggressively coming out of the building or if it's just kind of puffing or doing those things lets us know you know kind of the oxygen content that the fire has and, and what we need to take precautions on because if we get you know if it is our oxygen starved we were kind of talking about that on break and you introduce too much oxygen to it at one time it will cause what we call a backdraft which is a lot of people call a smoke explosion when you allow oxygen into that environment it's just waiting on enough oxygen it's got enough heat and it's got other fuel but it doesn't have enough oxygen and when you introduce oxygen in to that environment you can get a very quick burst of flame and smoke uh, that'll that'll come out and cause some damage uh, or could potentially hurt someone or, or cause damage to the structure that otherwise wouldn't be uh, caught so you know we, we utilize all those things when we do our firefighting tactics our our officers um, will immediately do uh, any of our arriving captains that are on the fire trucks the first thing that we do when we arrive on scene is we do what's called a 360 size up we go completely around the structure to determine okay are we seeing something on the back side that we're not seeing on the front side um, you know, or, or is this where all the fire is located on the back side of the building? And we just pulled up to the front and we, you know, we see some smoke, but we just see a little bit of smoke. And then you walk around back and, you know, the back deck is on fire or something like that is occurring. So we always do a really try to do a good size up and evaluation before we start acting on those fire scenes to make sure that we're keeping our firefighters safe and making sure that we're preventing the, um, or, or causing the least amount of damage to the home by providing, you know, putting out the fire as quickly as we can and doing it the, the smartest way that we can uh, and the safest way that we can. I think when we were all growing up, if, if uh, you know, most of us remember uh, being taught in school and also our parents telling us, get out of the house and go to a specified meeting point. Absolutely. That sounds like it's almost more crucial today than ever. Yes, it, it is definitely more crucial today. And, and just like I mentioned that you can be overcome very quickly, you know, don't call from inside the home. You know, if you've got, if the, if the cell phone is right beside your bed and you're alerted to a fire, just grab that cell phone and head out of the house as quickly as you can and just make sure that you get out of there uh, and, and call 911 and get us en route. And then, you know, the, the big things are is having a location, whether it's your mailbox or an oak tree out in the front yard or a a shed in the backyard or having some place that you know that everybody in the home is accounted for uh, and that way it takes a one you know that that's there but we ask nobody because of the smoke and the toxicity of the smoke even if someone is left in the home we just ask that you not try to go back in yourself because you're going to be going through that smoke and likely become incapacitated yourself and then instead of trying to find the one person that's trapped in the house then we're trying to rescue two people that are trapped in the house because it's very um, likely that you're going to be overcome by that smoke if you're trying to go back in and rescue a person or a pet or especially personal belongings there's just there's nothing worth going back in for and risking your life um, because it's likely you're not going to be able to save whatever you're going back in for and so you know in a lot of environments you may have a person that is in a room that is somewhat protected you know with the door closed or otherwise you're trying to go back through that smoke to get them and you're putting both yourself and them in peril by doing that and so we just want to make sure that we don't try to do that unfortunately we had a tragic fire here in our community this past week and one person lost their lives and that brings up this next thought because i think uh, this could help a lot of people in the future if you have 
oxygen tanks in your home? <coughs> uh, is there something you can do to make that safer? And also, are there some other things that you might have that are dangerous if you have canisters of, uh, of air that you keep to pump up tires and things of that sort? Are they dangerous in a fire? What, what, are, what should we be aware of? Well, the, the biggest thing that we always try to preach to everyone is making sure that your home is fire safe and, and be fire wise about things. And, and, the, and the big thing there is, you know, especially if you have any kind of oxygen, acetylene, if you do welding, you know, and you've got those kind of tanks in your garage or if you've got fuel in your garage for your lawnmowers, you just you want to take every precaution that you can to make sure you're eliminating any source of fire that's there. And, and it's just and it's the same thing we talk about on the show all the time is heating sources very close to combustible materials you know a heater can't be any closer than three feet to a combustible material that combustible material is likely going to ignite because you know we talk about how they are made out of synthetics i mean even your bed sheets are made out of some synthetics now and so you know it's really becomes um troublesome when people don't kind of follow the lead on on doing those things so those are things that can actually give you some extra time uh if you have them away from from heat sources yeah absolutely keeping those kind of products away from heat sources but also you know eliminating the factors of those things and and we just ask people to look around their homes you know we've got um what we have seen in some of the tragic events that we've had and 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 some of the the things that we've had in homes where we've had a lot of loss in homes is, is a lot of fire load and we call fire load you know a lot of just materials in the homes where people um you know have a lot of have accumulated a lot of materials and you've seen that and we've seen that more and of course you see the hoarding shows where you'll see people that will just literally have almost like a walk path and then their home is stacked up to here we have seen that a lot and and it's and everything um and we have fires on in those houses a lot but just because of the amount of combustible material that are in those houses but you know we even have people that have gotten just a normal electrical outlet We'll get a piece of paper or a cardboard or something like that that will get into that electrical outlet because you've got so much stuff piled up against it um, that it just slowly but surely starts to smolder and causes a fire. And then you've got all that material in there that, to burn and things like that. So we just, you know, ask everybody to kind of make sure, you, you know, if you do collect a lot of things and, and those kind of things, just make sure you've got great avenues of escape that you've got full-fledged walk paths, we say three feet. You know, making sure that you can get to exit doors and those kind of things in between your and down hallways. Make sure those are clear, not cluttered up and piled up. Because, you know, when you when you're under the when a fire happens and you got a lot of smoke and all those kind of things, you've got almost zero visibility and you're and you're trying to make your way out of a home and and having hazards in the way of that is going to cause a lot of issues. Um, you mentioned oxygen tanks, and unfortunately, we see a large amount of people that are that are on oxygen that still smoke. And, and and sometimes they will smoke with oxygen and, and oxygen in itself is not a flammable material but it oxidizes and, and it causes um, fire to accelerate very very quickly and so it just it causes fire to just take on a whole new nature just because of the nature of, of the gas of oxygen and that's what a fire needs to burn and so when you have pressurized oxygen coming out of a tube or coming out of a tank then it's going to cause the fire to burn a lot hotter and faster and progress much much faster and so it's just really really dangerous and we would ask anyone that is on oxygen please don't smoke at least when you're on oxygen go away from the the oxygen itself don't just put the the cannula over to the side and then light a cigarette and you know hope that you know it's not going to get enough oxygen to catch anything on fire around it or otherwise and 
but we just see a lot of those things, people not practicing good firewise behavior uh, when it comes to those products. And that's what we see that causes the most damage. And, and you know, it's not very often, fortunately, but, you know, it, it is tragic because we really try to make sure everybody's got all the tools to stay safe. I ask you this, too, because th- this is something that you've mentioned over and over in this show and in other programs, and that's closing your bedroom doors at night. It's, it's sort of an uncomfortable feeling because if you have children, they like to wander in sometimes. Uh, they feel secure doing that. If you have pets, they wander around the house. Uh, is that the only solution, or in, is it important to do it and tell your children why you do it yeah i think it's important to do it and tell your children why you do it you know and now in this day and age with technology you know your kids you know you say i want to be able to hear my kids or something like that well they've we got a lot of technology that can help with that baby monitors or you know cameras and and those kind of things that you can monitor your child's room or, or area but we we really want people to keep doors closed it really sets a barrier between you and the fire and those deadly gases that are that are could happen you know while you're asleep if a fire occurs while you're asleep and but it's just a great idea to keep those doors closed because it prevents that fire from spreading and and we've seen um, you know we did some we actually have done some live burns to where we've set a house on fire that's an acquired structure and and had a had a fire burning in a room next door to another bedroom and in the morning that we did this it was quite cool outside it was in the low 40s um but we set the room on fire next door the 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 bedroom that was beside both rooms started out at about 40 degrees the room that we set on fire got up to about 1100 degrees we let it reach flash over and those kind of things but there was a hollow core door and then where the hallway was the flames were coming out of the bedroom into the hallway and there was a hollow core door there and just a normal regular wall and um, that room never reached 50 degrees beside the room with the door closed and that was with the hollow core door and so then out in the hallway we're at 900 degrees but yet in that bedroom we're below 50 degrees and so it's it really prevents that heat it prevents the smoke from coming in on you and it can stop the fire from coming into that area where you're at and it's a place of safe refuge from the fire so that you can escape and either go out the window or or do other things like that to get away from that um, to stay away from those deadly gases in that fire that's happening so again close the doors and have an escape route and a place to meet and know all of you in the family know where that is absolutely so those are some things to keep in mind we're going to pause for a moment we'll be back with the final segment of our morning show topics this morning that will definitely save your life from the tallest tower in the city limits of Murfreesboro to every radio in the land WGNS AM FM is everywhere you need us to be Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Please come see us for all your pet and your feathered friend needs. We also have a great gift department with wonderful great gift ideas. And always we have what you need for the farm or the garden. And in our clothing department, we have our Carhartt clothing line. And for ladies, we have our MG Carhartt. And we also have our wonderful muck boots. The Co-op Farm and Home Center is at 985 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, just off of South Church. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank. 
2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Skies become mostly sunny this afternoon, high in the mid-70s. North winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies, alone near 39. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 50. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. Look up in the sky. There it is. The tallest tower in Murfreesboro. This is WGNS FM, AM, and worldwide at WGNSRadio.com. Welcome back. We're in the final segment of our program, so if you have a question this morning, don't wait around because the show will be over and you'll think, I wish I'd asked that. <laughs> 615-893-1450. Talk or text, whichever you prefer. 615-893-1450. Uh, listeners, wanting you to talk a little more about uh, the use of oxygen tanks, and you said it was an accelerant of a fire, uh, so it, it's not a big chance of exploding. It just it's like pouring gasoline on the fire. Well, a tank will explode in in, in the right environment when it gets enough heat. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how much heat can be in a room. It, if a if an oxygen tank gets enough fire, the, the vessels it's it's a pressurized gas. So it's in, you know, it's in a it's compressed gas that's in a that's in a tank, and just like any other compressed gas, especially. Uh, once it ex- starts expanding, you know, if it do- those and oxygen tanks do not have blow-off valves like you see some propane tanks have where, you know, if it starts heating up, it'll start blowing off because it's not a flammable gas. You know, typically you just don't see it do those things. But those, there can only be so much pressure that can be contained within that vessel, and so they will explode. We've had two oxygen tank explosions. One was in that home uh, over the weekend, and we've had another one that was in an outside fire actually um that was significant enough to blow out windows of an apartment building uh, that was located about 50 to 60 feet away from where the tank exploded and so it's you know those tanks will explode because it's a pressurized gas but they're not exploding because it's a, a flammable liquid or a flammable gas or anything like that it's just a because of the pressure is why those tanks will explode so that's why we want you to keep them away from any ignition sources or fires anything like that but the big thing that oxygen does is it just really accelerates how quickly and how hot a fire will burn um, within those and so you know oxygen if someone is smoking with oxygen it doesn't take a whole lot for just that butt into that cigarette that's got that little bit of flame on the end of it for that oxygen to immediately just burn down that entire cigarette and and set the tubing on fire and everything else that that's there because it's you know the fire is seeking that oxygen to continue to burn and and the more oxygen it can get the the hotter and the faster it's going to burn we have another text from a listener this one says i've been trying to think this morning as you've talked about different things that have pressure in them what uh, is dangerous and what's not dangerous isn't a fire extinguisher uh, full of pressure well they are pressurized but most of the time i mean those are they they can be pressurized as well to, to get that material that's out of there but they're dry chemicals and so you know those but the big thing about um fire extinguishers are the the materials that hold that in place all that components that are made on the top where you press the press to to spray the fire extinguisher off are either meant the majority of the time either made out of plastic or aluminum 
And so, and like an oxygen tank, which can't be aluminum, it has to be like the brass fittings and stuff like that. They have a much faster burn rate or melt rate. And so that will, a lot of times those, those devices on the top that we use to spray those, that will melt down and release the pressure before the tank will explode or the vessel will explode as in an oxygen tank. You know, the, those brass fittings on those oxygen tanks and some of those fittings that are designed for that are the tank is going to go before that fitting goes or before that fitting were to melt. But if it's an aluminum or even a plastic, you know, some of the smaller extinguishers actually have plastic um, on top kind of holding that together. And, and those will melt down and, and release faster than the tank, you know, than, than it will explode or, or do that. We're 10 days away from our change in time where we spring forward and go on daylight savings time. It used to be that was always promoted as the time to change the, the smoke alarm. Yep. Uh, is that still important? Absolutely. And we try to remind everybody every time that we change time, uh, if you still have battery operated smoke alarms to change those batteries out, uh, you know, use them in another device. They may still be good. You know, if you've got the old nine volt battery ones, um, you know, they may be, you may be able to still use them in another device, but put your fresh ones in the, in, in your smoke alarms and then use those in some other devices. Um, but test your battery, even if you have lithium ion batteries or you have wired in smoke alarms, uh, which every home in Murfreesboro that has been built since the mid nineties has to have wired in smoke alarms that have to, you know, loop together to go all go off at the same time. But just make sure that you're checking those, you know, and if they're more than 10 years old, we recommend getting those replaced. And so, you know, we can help with that. Uh, if you need help with that, if you've got wired in alarms, we have free alarms that we will install in your home for you if you need smoke alarms. And 615-893-1422 is the number to call. And we will get you set up and scheduled for us to come out and install those smoke alarms in your home. Uh, we want you to have active working smoke alarms in every bedroom, outside of the bedroom area in the hallway, and in every area that you may be sleeping in. So if you're like me and I fall asleep watching TV or watching a ball game, um, I want to I want a smoke alarm somewhere close to that where I can get early notification of those things. But you know we will install those in every room that's necessary. Um, we also have to have one on every level of the home, but we will install those for you free of charge. Uh, it's through a grant program through the state fire marshal's office called Get Alarm Tennessee, uh, and we want as many smoke alarms in homes as we can. We just we don't want to see tragedies occur uh, that are extremely preventable, uh, like they are with fire. Thank you very much to Mark Folks, the Chief of Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue with us, along with the new Operations Chief, Mark McCloskey. Have a great day.